episode number 22. Uh, how you doing, Brent? Oh, I'm good, man. Flat out. i am being busy as, so yeah, cool. stoked to be on. Going to get straight into it. Our uh, guest this week has actually turned up, unlike last week's guest. Um, she was the first ever woman to win the Australian Rally Championship and at the same time was also the youngest ever driver to do so. Um, all around pretty much motorsport legend. Uh, hopefully see her back on track soon. And of course, talking about Molly Taylor and she joins us right about now. Thank you very much for taking some time out and joining us tonight, Molly. How are you? I'm good, thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. No worries. Now, look, um, we've got lots to get through um, with you. Um, I, I've been just catching up on some reading and, um, yeah, yeah, like absolute legend of motorsport and... You've done so much in a fairly short time as well, which is really cool. Um, what originally got you bitten by the motorsport bug? I mean, I always grew up around it. My parents both competed and that's how they met. So I was, I was exposed to it as a young child. But for me, um, you know, I'd go to rallies and I love watching it, but I never really thought about doing it seriously myself um, until I was about 15, 16 and, it was when I was getting my learners um, and essentially my dad was running a rally school at the time. And he said, um, if you want to drive on the road, you've, you've got to learn how to drive. Um, and, and the best way to do that is out on gravel and learn how to competently drive a manual learn a bit of car control and um, learn all the basics. So, so we went out there and, and did it purely as a driver training exercise just to be a safe driver. But for me, it was the first time I actually experience what it was like behind the wheel um and and it was from that moment i think it just that, that that feeling of the car sliding underneath you it just everything clicked and i thought well this is this is why you guys do it because it's it's so awesome and um and yeah I, I just started doing it from there and started working for my dad on the weekends at the rally school and um yeah it didn't really look back after that so i was a bit of a, a late bloomer really the um and it, i mean most motorsport people we chat to i mean the usual is they go through karting and you know you through to open wheelers and then into tin tops and through that way um or then back to open wheelers but you probably took a bit of a different route your from what i believe your first competition was actually entering into motor carnas yeah yeah so um i was actually at boarding school at the time um and a guy called paul kennedy who um yeah is a a very talented uh, rally driver, but also the president of the local car club up um, in Armadale where I went to boarding school. And he basically said, I've got an old Honda Civic that you can drive. And um, he signed me out of uh, school for the weekend. And um, yeah, took me to this uh, big training facility they have up there and um, did some motocarnas and then Kana crosses and then I'm um, into rally. But yeah, to be honest, I could count on one hand the amount of times I've been in a go-kart and it's been at those higher car places. So um yeah yeah i didn't definitely didn't didn't go the traditional route i guess we actually spent the last uh i think two three weeks bagging out shane's being sued yeah probably going to be a dog with lawsuit soon <laughs> well actually belmont carts doesn't exist anymore so oh. <laughs> you're off the hook i'm off the hook is it because of you uh, no 
Connor Cart still hires, but I haven't said anything bad about them. But um, yeah, we, we've had some um, yeah carding people on, and yeah, we've discussed that. So, um, so which which centre are you the uh, champion of for carding? I was sure you would have taken out a championship. No, no, honestly, like I, I yeah, I haven't had little to none experience. Um, very rarely hopping in a cart, so it's something that I've, I, I, I would love to do more. I think it'd be really helpful, but um, yeah, it's just something that it was straight straight into cars for me. Um, and, and yeah, I guess I mean, there's definitely you know any type of driving you can apply to um, to rally. It's all all helpful but um yeah most of it is you know started off um in grass paddocks and driving around with just hats and stuff like that your um first ever competition how did you go in that did you did you do anything uh, spectacular my first rally i got 16 kilometers in and i crashed <laughs> I uh, was, um, yeah, I, I got uh, 16Ks into the first rally and I was only about a metre off the road but down a cliff and, like, perpendicular to the road and oh. I was just lucky that a log got stuck behind the um, diff and it kind of just flipped over and, and wedged us um, hanging off the road and took two cars to pull us back on the road and, um, yeah, it was a uh, baptism of fire. <laughs> I guess um, you've got a good excuse to retire, at least, from that race. Um, <laughs> yeah, we've, we've had some perlers. We've had one didn't want to get lapped. So yeah. Retired. That was his first ever experience, yeah. uh, first ever thing. And another one upset karting officials at his first yeah. ever race meet and went and joined. No, mine was, mine was just your, uh, your classic uh, tank slapper. i've got this i've got this i've got no no you know at some point you need to admit defeat (laughs) that um your taxi driver in uh, malaysia must have gone to the same same school i reckon (laughs) yeah yeah actually that what was that that was about a month or just over a year yeah one year and a month ago but um ended up upside down in the taxi in malaysia so as you do yeah yeah, but um, luckily we didn't go over. So, um, <laughs> moving on. Um, where did you head after your first race? What was the plan then? Um, I mean, initially the plan was just to get as much seat time as possible. Um, you know, having, I guess, been relatively new to the sport um, and, and, you know, it's still the case now and it's the hardest thing in our sport. It's all about seat time and um, you know, there's there's not many sports where you, even now, you know, you to play professionally, you know, imagine a, a professional rugby player or a professional tennis player that that has a hit, you know, the, the week of the tennis match and then they go on and, and, and play their, their match. It's, um yeah, time in the seat is always the, the gold opportunity. So, um, yeah, the plan at the start was just to get as much seat time, do as much, um, you know, club state level rallying um, and, and starting a car that was, you know, underpowered and, and learn how to get the most out of that and then move. Um, so started in a rear-wheel drive car, um, then moved to front-wheel drive car and then um, only really got to a four-wheel drive car with Subaru in 2016. So I spent uh, many, many years in the junior categories in um, front-wheel drive cars. The You made your debut in the Australian Rally Championship in 2007. How did you go? Yeah, uh, surprisingly well. <laughs> um, didn't really have any expectations and um, we were up in Queensland and it was, yeah, just a 
fantastic rally in their little Mitsubishi Mirage um, and ended up coming sixth. So, um, yeah, it was it was very uh, unexpected, but, you know, just a fantastic, um, you know, having watched my mum compete at that level for so many years to be able to go and be part of it all myself was, um, yeah, really cool and um, still remember some of that like it was yesterday. Now, we mentioned in our introduction to you that you were Australian rally champion. You're also British rally champion as well. How did that come about? Yeah, the British ladies rally champion. Um, well, I was in 2009, I um, decided that um, I would move to the UK and um, try and do the British championship. And they have a lot more um, junior categories over there. So in terms of budget and, and sort of cost-effective motorsport, you can drive it. It was a Suzuki Swift, um, you know, next to standard in terms of technical modifications and all the modifications to go rallying. But um, performance-wise, you had to go down gears to get up hills. Um, <laughs> it wasn't very spectacular. But um, everyone was in the same car and, and the costs were controlled. So for me, it was an opportunity to go and kind of benchmark yourself against the best young juniors um, so I, I decided to, to yeah, take on that adventure and ended up spending about four years over there. What was one of your highlights of being over competing? Oh, gosh. Um, so, so many. I mean, that first year was a bit of a whirlwind. Um, and, you know, there was probably equal highlights and lowlights, I guess. But we won the first two rounds of the, the Suzuki Cup, um, which was just... Yeah, I, I wasn't what I was expecting and then um, crashed in the next two, <laughs> which is, yeah, you're at a zero and then we came into the final round. Um, essentially, there were three of us and whoever won the rally would win um, the overall title and, and we won the first stage by 27 seconds and I still remember that that moment and unfortunately, the fuel pump failed later in the rally and we lost the championship, but... Um, you know, that was, you know, for me, just the, the biggest learning year to be over there on your own. I was 20 and um, it was, yeah, it was really tough, but also re really rewarding. And I guess it kind of set in motion then every opportunity that came from there that, you know, one thing would lead to another, to another. And then, and then I suppose being able to compete in the Junior World Rally Championship as part of the Pirelli Star Driver Program um, and take a stage win at Rally GB in the juniors and um, then later get on the podium a couple of years later in, in Rally Finland in the Junior Championship, um, that that will, yeah, forever be one of my, my career highlights. I think um, Tommy Mackinnon presented the trophies and, um, yeah, it was, it was pretty surreal. And I have to ask, every time you mention you crash, you have a little giggle. <laughs> is that a... Is that a oh, maybe that's like my defence mechanism. Who knows? <laughs> Got to get deep. Um, oh, yeah. It's not really a laughing matter, to be honest, but, um, you know, I think it just, it, it brings you, it's such a, um, I guess it's such a grounding sport, you know, you have all these highs and then and straight, you know, next minute you could be back at ground zero just like that. So I think it's something that, um, you know, it's a sport that keeps your ego in check, that's for sure. Because I know when we usually chat with people and say, oh, you know, I've crashed, it's... Um... Yeah, they they never usually have that little giggle. So I was just just yeah pondering if it was a you know as you say coping mechanism or if it's yeah a, yeah maybe a rally a rally I mean, you know maybe yeah it's yeah you you got to um yeah pick yourself up after that stuff I think and and for sure you know it's there's there's some that um are pretty heavy and then you know I, I suppose some of the crashes are pretty stupid on my part so 
um, those ones you can have a bit of giggle about your uh, <laughs> what not to do <laughs> especially when you're young and they're the rookie you know textbook 101 you know amateur mistakes did you get straight back in a car afterwards yeah yeah always um you know i think that's probably been you know thankfully i guess both my, my parents been involved they've been through those experiences so obviously you know you don't want to crash but it's a part of learning and, and you kind of um you know, have to just analyse why it happened and, and figure out how you're not going to do it again and then get on with it, really. They mentioned the um, Pirelli Star Driver Program. Um, how, do, how do you get into that one? Is that something you get invited to or is it like the Ferrari Driver Academy where you basically put in an application and go from there? Um, so it was it was a shootout. Um, so basically, there was um, nominations. So depending on your regions, um, you could uh, like essentially qualify for a final sixteen. So I got a um, a spot in that that final sixteen. Um, so then there were people from all over the world um, that went to Spain, and then we did a shootout. And from that sixteen, they um, then selected six people. So it was you know over a couple of days, um, some driving tests, interviews. Um, whole heap of, of stuff and, and they kind of uh yeah um analyzed everybody and, and picked six finalists so um i was very fortunate to be one of those very nice the um i want to skip a little bit ahead from europe because it's just lots and lots of stuff happens in europe <laughs> um but lithuania yes <laughs> thousand kilometer endurance race is that a rally no, so it's um it's kind of like Lithuania's Bathurst. Um, it's you know a festival and there's bands and and you know a huge setup and and they essentially close the freeway. Um, so you you drive like up one side of the freeway and they've got some bales that they make some chicanes out of and then you do a U-turn across the highway, come back down the other side of the highway through some chicanes, take an exit ramp go up over the bridge, take the entry ramp and, and do this big kind of loop up and down the freeway for a thousand kilometres with every kind of car you can imagine. So um, it's like, you know, GT3 cars and then larders and, and everything in between. Um, so it was, yeah, it was, it was a fantastic experience. I, I, I still am in touch with the, the team that I ran with and, um, you know, hopefully we'll be able to um, put some dates together to, to at some point do it again. But I had so much fun. How did you uh, go in that? What position? We we got third in our class, so um, yeah, we were uh, we were stoked. Now, I know there's probably some uh, street cars guys watching this, and the mention of GT3 cars has probably got them a little bit rolled up after the weekend <laughs> over here. And uh, <laughs> how did how did the GT3 drivers go over there? Were they actually able to keep you know like a safe distance and respect? the fact there's other drivers on the road or were they a bit nuts? <laughs> no, it was all pretty good actually. I think because there was such a, there was such a differential in car speeds that, and you know, in those endurance races, you kind of, there's moments when you're in traffic obviously, but you know, generally everyone's in their own race within their category. So, um, so yeah, it was pretty, there wasn't really any, um, any too big altercations that I was involved with, mainly altercations with people just, overcooking the chicanes and, and hitting hay bales out and the number of bales that they had of like restock bales and the safety cars to go and restock the chicanes was probably the, <laughs> where the biggest carnage was. Did you take any moments to, you know, maybe hit some of those bales to recreate some rally? <laughs> yes. 
around. I, I was, I was trying to be good. I knew that I was driving someone else's car and um, trying to look after it. But it was, it was, it was raining a lot um, at some point. So there were definitely some hairy moments where you couldn't actually pick the way the braking markers were because you couldn't see the bales. So that was interesting. <laughs> so from Lithuania, you picked up the Peter Brock Medal in 2015. Were you a Peter Brock fan growing up? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I don't know many, many people, um, you know, in the sport that didn't look up to, to him. And, and I remember I, I only got to meet him once at a, at a Tiger event that my mum was competing at as well. And we were down there watching and, um, and met him then. And um, since, since winning the, the medal, having the opportunity to, to speak to Bev and, um, you know, have more to do with her. And, um, yeah, it's just a... Obviously, you know, it was a it was a surprise to me to be to be nominated or even to to win the the medal. Particularly, um, you know, before before me, it was people like Neil Bates and, and Jim Richards who won this medal, and um, so I was I was very surprised and and humbled. And and I think it um, you know as you sort of move forward in in your career, it's a real reminder of of thinking about you know obviously we. we we enjoy racing and driving and that's why we want to do it. But there's so much more to the sport than that. And, um, you know, he's been the perfect example of, of what, what else you can do for the sport and, and how it affects other people. Um, and, and, you know, whether it's fans, other people coming up through the sport and, and everyone, everyone around the sport. And I mean, I share that passion. Um, it's not just about the passion for being in the driver's seat. It's about um, all the aspects of the sport. So from the Peter Brock medal, were you expecting what came next in 2016? <laughs> no, no, not at all. Um, I mean, it was, for me, you know, the goal to, to drive as a career was, was always um, what I'd been working towards. So to have have your job as being a rally driver from the beginning of 2016 was um, pretty surreal um, and, and just, you know, just completely changed um, you know, the, the, the sort of, well, not, not really change the approach, but there was so many ways that you go about it. You know, you go from trying to run your own team, manage your own sponsors and find your sponsors and, you know, a bunch of, um, you know, volunteers are all helping you and driving the truck to the events. And then to suddenly you've got this, this whole team that's doing everything and your job is to turn up and drive and you've got this pressure that, you know, you have to perform and you have to answer to, um, you know, this big corporation that's investing so much in the whole operation. So, that was, um, yeah, a, a change for me. And I think um, I was really fortunate to you know, have such a great team and, and, a, and a lot of, I guess, faith and belief from Nick Senior at Subaru who, who instigated the whole program and gave me the opportunity and um, really sort of gave us the, the space to um, just focus on our job and, um, you know, take each bit step by step. And, and ultimately by doing that, we, we ended up having a fantastic year and, and rather than sort of thinking about the whole thing as a, as a whole too much, we just sort of got on step by step and rally by rally and um, took it as a bit of an experiment year to see what would happen. And um, yeah, it all, went, it all went really well. And of course, uh, for anyone who hasn't listened to the introduction, or has not heard of Molly before that end of the year, uh, Molly, you became the first woman and the youngest ever driver to win the Australian Rally Championship. I'd 
how how did that make you feel? You know, in terms of like being able to gain both of those things in one go. Yeah, it's um again, you know, it wasn't and obviously we wanted to do as well as we can, but it wasn't really something an expectation that I had that year. Um, so it kind of just blew my mind a little, a little bit, um, and and just that I, I guess you know you always I think it's human nature you kind of doubt yourself quite a lot. Um, and, and, you know, maybe I do that more than more than other people, but, um, you know, we're always wondering, you know, can I really do it? And, and then so it's that, that feeling to be like, okay, we're, you know, we're here and, and we can do the job was, um, yeah, it was, was pretty special. And for Les Walkton as well, who was um, the team running the car on behalf of Subaru, was their first um, national championship winner. And for someone like Les, who has fostered so many drivers up through the sport and put so much into the sport for, for them to be able to um, come out with a championship victory. It was just, it was a win for everybody. The, in terms of, um, you know, besides your mum sport, did you have anyone else you could have to, you know, discussions with? And you know, it, it is a motorsport is male dominated. Um, and you know you have said in a in interview before that the stop clock doesn't have a bias, which I thought is one of the most fantastic things I've ever heard on how to explain to guys, you know, yeah, women in motorsport. Did you have a did you have anyone else to to chat with and to look up to and you know, maybe give you some pointers about how to deal with the blokes? Yeah, I mean, I think just a lot of it because I grew up with my mum as my role model, you know, whether it was consciously or subconsciously, um, there wasn't, you know, at the beginning, there wasn't a lot of discussions about that because I just kind of copied what she did and didn't really think much of it. Um, I was lucky when I was in Europe and involved in the Pirelli shootout was uh, Michelle Mouton and then uh, Fabrizio Pons as well, who absolute legends of the sport and um, Fabrizio, you know, came to lots of my rallies and, and was a great mentor for me. So I was, I was very lucky to have her, but, but, you know, I suppose it's not until I would say more recently when you really start to think about, um, you know, those questions of what, of what it's like as a, from a female perspective in terms of how can we get more females involved? And so I feel like it's something that I'm kind of thinking about more now um, to be able to try and open the doors for other females who haven't had the, I guess the privilege that I've had of having a role model that that's your mum to kind of um, navigate all that, those things with. So it just kind of happened for me. And, and it was just, um, you know, by, by sort of getting on with it and doing it and, and not really considering it too much. Um, but I think, yeah, now looking back, um, obviously for, for other females, we, we do need to, um, you know, encourage more grassroots and, um, and have that, that, um, I guess, you know, awareness and opportunity for, for females to get exposed to the sport because, um, you know, what we see now is, is when they are, they, they realise how good it is like we, we know and, um, and want to get involved and, and are good at it. This actually um, segues quite nicely into the FIA on uh, girls on track uh, side of things. And um, one, of the, one of our questions today is came from a lady over here called Danielle, who was the first ever uh, woman woman clerk of course at Wanneroo Raceway slash uh, Barbara Gallo, as it was called up until this year. Um, 
and she was just uh, she was actually just wondering you know, about the schools being able to get involved with FIA girls on track um, yeah because obviously face to face events have been shut down yeah. and yeah one of the questions was around you know is there is there any plans to do more you know, like what we're doing essentially you know like these zoom calls and get schools involved that way yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, Jess Dane and I did a um, an Instagram live a couple of weeks ago um, for that thing to, you know, to sort of answer questions and try and bring an online forum. So that's definitely the plan, you know, for the foreseeable future, doing what we can online. Um, and then, yeah, Motorsport Australia are obviously um, part of this the Girls on Track initiative and, um, yeah, essentially taking, um, putting together their own programs and also taking um, any requests or, or feedback or um uh, I guess, you know, schools and, and organisations that want to be involved, um, you know, the more people we can get to to write in and, and give us a database and the more things we'll, we'll be able to do that reach as many people as possible. So who are some of the other ladies that are working with you in that program? Uh, so there's a whole whole bunch of people. Um, so Jess Dane, Kate Peck, Emily Duggan, um, Romy Murr, a, a few people um, and and really we're, we're growing growing that base um but you know we, we wanted to have females from all different facets of the sport not just drivers because i mean i think from my experience when we've done these events what's really cool is you go in there thinking oh you know the drivers everyone wants to be a driver they get all the glory um and, we, and when the girls sort of have a look at all the different options i would say a majority of them leave the events wanting to be an engineer or a mechanic <laughs> um, which is just really cool because it's something they didn't know anything about or a lot of the time didn't know anything about prior and and just seeing um people's eyes open when they realize what opportunities are and not because anyone's ever been told you can't do that but just you know we, we we're so observant to what we see and if you're growing up never seen something you don't really just think of it as an option just even subconsciously so just to be able to show people this is what you can do just kind of spark some ideas or maybe plant a seed that then will grow and um you know i think that that's just what's been really encouraging with these initiatives and i think the more we can do that we're going to see a new generation of, of people at all levels i did a um back in geez seems so long ago now back in march this year uh did a women in motorsport feature and actually interviewed uh, I think it was about 14 or 15 ladies from Perth, um, ranging from 11 years old up until uh, 60 something, I think was the answer I got. Um, and the biggest theme from, you know, there was a, a few drivers, there was rally, there was uh, circuit, there's tarmac rally. Um, but the biggest thing that was realized and came out of that was the amount of women involved in motorsport and behind the scenes positions that mm. is like none of us would go racing or be able to do stuff you know, without them involved. And it's just, you know, it sucks when they, you know, we can't get more women involved because, you know, for, for various reasons and pressures and biasnesses and, you know, it'd be great, you know, to see more of this, you know, the dare to be different and FIA girls on track stuff. And, you know, I, I haven't had a chance to listen to the, um, to the Q&A that you and Jess Dane did uh, recently. Um, hopefully I'll get that through to that next week. Um, but you know, in terms of, um, and I mean, it's probably, quite, it's a question I'm sure you're asked all the time is, you know, outside of these programs, what can 
okay, us guys that aren't Neanderthals do <laughs> to help get more women into motorsport? Uh, I think it's, um, you know, the the um, perception sometimes, I think, of, of women that are, uh, you know, have these these images of what the sport's like and being really blokey and, and for sure there's, there's, you know, more guys than girls in the sport. But I think, and you'll attest to this, I mean, I think all... 99% of the guys want more girls involved in motorsport as well. So it's trying to break down that, that perception and, and the reality. Um, you know, I think it, it's, it really is a, you know, it's a motorsports, a big family and, and no one really cares who you are or what gender you are or, you know, what background you come from. We were just all there because we love motorsport. Um, and, you know, it's a really tough sport. And, and for many, even behind the scenes and all the, the volunteers and officials, everyone's doing it not because it's easy, but because they, they love it. And, um, you know, sharing that, that passion and encouraging um, more females to just come and, and give it a try without judgment. Um, I think getting, you know, getting that step into the sport and then you meet everybody and realise, you know, the, the culture is far different to, I think, what is perceived quite a lot of the time. And so, yeah, trying to break down that, I think, is um, definitely something um, that, that we can do more and then, and then, um, you know, for, for younger females, seeing more females actively involved in the sport. So, you know, as as a as a young person being, a, you know, in the audience of sport, they, you know, they see AFLW now and um, soccer and, and all these these sports where women are, are really achieving. Um, so, if we can do the same with motorsport, then it's just going to open up more options at, at a young age too. And I think one of the, I mean, to me, one of the most important things, um, especially with things that have been in the media recently, is that it, I think media and everyone really need to show that, you know, it's not just driving, you know, and if you don't, if you're not a successful driver, you know, that's not the end of your motorsport career. You can go on and do some other really cool stuff. Um and you know that's not necessarily portrayed i'm not going to go into it i think there's been enough airtime on it um but you know to me and i know there's a lot of other people out there you know it's just it's frustrating you know it's either if you're not a driver then you can't you know if you don't make it as a driver well go do other things don't be motorsport but you know there's if you weren't driving what would you be doing <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think there's there's definitely some people that just love driving and, and maybe don't love, the, you know, they love the driving more than the sport and, you know, they want to be driver or go and do something else. And then I think there's, you know, there's other people that, that live and breathe it. And, um, you know, for me, it's sort of, I guess, always been in the back of my head that, you know, at some point I would love to be in a position where I could be involved, you know, whether it's it's running your own team or as a team principal or, or that, that kind of, um, level and, and the work that I do already with Motorsport Australia and the opportunities in the future to do, do more of that, um, you know, sort of grassroots development um, and trying to, to do more for juniors. I think there's a lot more to be done here in Australia for juniors and, um, you know, from my experience, deciding to move to the other side of the world because that's what I thought was the best step as a junior, you know, I think we, we need to do more to help people at that age in rally to have opportunities here and so yeah, there's definitely lots of things like that that I would I would be doing if I wasn't wasn't driving. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it's just it's that passion for the sport um, that you know it's it's not something that I think once you once you got the bug you've got it. So yeah, <laughs> I don't think it'll ever leave you. 
<laughs> now, um, this weekend, Dave, here's actually the Forest Rally, which you've competed Very in. Very jealous. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's one of, if not my favourite rally on the calendar. So... Very jealous. Hey, can I use that in a clip? <laughs> Absolutely. There was, there was, a, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's a fantastic rally. Um, just, yeah, just and, and even you know, even the fact that it's all the way over in Perth, you know, the amount of memories, even the, the road trips and the the terrible road trips of driving across the Nullarbor to get. It's just yeah, the whole the whole event's an adventure. So I'm gutted that um, I'm gutted that you guys won't let us in. <laughs> <laughs> Um, look, it's if you know for your AFL would be a different story, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's really started. Yeah. <laughs> um, you've you've placed first in the Forest Rally, third. Um, have you? Did you ever do any of the uh, Rally Australia stages? Or no, that? no. And I hear that you're going to be doing some. So again, yeah. another reason why. <laughs> Very jealous. <laughs> but uh, no, I never actually even went there when it was Rally Australia. So, yeah, not, not, not good. I'd love to get it. Yeah, picturesque. Although, I mean, you guys are going so fast, you wouldn't see it anyway, but there's some <laughs> very picturesque backgrounds coming up for that. And um, it's, yeah, in the region it is, um, yeah, it's quite, quite beautiful and spectacular. <laughs> so, Hopefully, um, I'll be down there doing media work and hopefully we'll be able to capture some of that beauty to share with everyone. Um, Make us all jealous. Thanks. Appreciate it. No worries. (laughs) (laughs) I'll send you a link when it's done. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Cheers. And that ends the podcast for this week. Yeah. What's, what stages have you done in the Forest Rally? Like, which which would be one of your favourite ones that you've competed on? Oh, lots. Ferndale is one of my all-time favourites. Ferndale and Ellis um, are two that spring to mind um, and, and the Healthway stages as well. Um, there's a really fast section in, in Healthway that, that I can probably almost memorise now, even though, yeah, it's been a while. Um, but just yeah, just the the road, just the the speed of them, um, but then also just the nature and the character of the roads as well. They'll just really link up nicely together, and that that sort of combination. And um, and you've got the the different surface over there, which you know every time we go over there, we we rock up to test it, and you do a couple of runs, and you come back, and you're like, there's something wrong with the car. I don't know what's wrong, but there's something broken. There's something loose, and it takes you half a day to go. Oh, it's just I remember it's what the surface is like over here, and then. And then once you get used to it, it's um, yeah, it's just a lot of fun to try. He, um, you go, John. You've got that's your question answered. <laughs> I didn't even know that that was a question. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, oh yeah, no, John. John was the, one of the rally uh, COCs over here. Was keen to hear what you liked the most about it. It's awesome to hear. It's one of your favourites. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to pick a favourite, but those would be the, the top ones that spring to mind. Hopefully uh, next year borders are open and uh, you'll be able to come over and they'll run yeah, some sure. stages again, which would be really nice. Yeah. Um, where are you sitting at the moment now? Obviously with COVID, not much was going on. Yeah. Um, but where were things heading this year? 
Um, so I, I'm still an ambassador and I do work with Subaru in that capacity. But in terms of a factory team, we weren't planning to run this year anyway. Um, so, uh, you know, in saying that, Craig Brooks, who um, runs the Orange Motorsport Engineering Subaru that we ran last year, um, that car is actually, he did a state round in uh, Tassie last weekend. Um, and we were we were talking about the possibility of running in some capacity and doing some events and obviously that was a changing minute by minute as the the events and the calendar kept changing um so at the moment you know it looks like we might have the opportunity to do a, a rally in um canberra in november not as a championship but just as a as a sort of shootout event um so so yeah hopefully uh, we can pull together some some support to to do that so the, the plan is to still get out there and um, give the car a run and we were doing so much development throughout the course of 2019 and, and we had more development planned for the final round and so we were just you know sort of taking step by step by step and the car was getting better and everything was improving throughout the year and we feel like we never really got to finish that progression with with Coffs Harbour being cancelled so um, yeah we were sort of at the point that we, we still want to keep keep doing going and seeing how how much we can get out of um, Fabio, I think he's in the background there. Um, so yeah, we feel like we've got unfinished business. So hopefully we can um, we can get back out there at least for one event this year. So have you named all your cars or just, just that one? No, I never named my cars, but the boys named Fabio. So, um, <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> so name stuck and yeah he's got a he's i think he's had that much love and care and attention he's like you know everybody's pet he's um yeah everybody's very emotionally attached into fabio <laughs> he's got this uh thing in my head from god when would it have been brent back in the 90s Oh, with the horse. You're the most beautiful man in the world. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's what they said. He's the most beautiful car in the cosmos. Is uh, <laughs> no, <it's good. laughs> what Brooksy says every time he sees you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, I'm going to hand you over to Brent now, um, yeah. and then we'll come back and have a little bit more of a chat. Um, yeah. And I've still got the Adam Marjoram question to ask. Oh, gosh, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just want to leave that as far to the end as I can. Just... Right, okay, now I'm getting yeah. it. And that's a good segue from Fabio, the most beautiful man in the world. I mean, <laughs> if Fabio had a haircut and a blow dryer and stuck it up a bit, there'd be uh, Adam Marge all over. <laughs> yeah, okay, yep. <laughs> He's a very beautiful man. <laughs> all righty. All right. <laughs> Um, awesome to talk to you, Molly. Awesome to uh, hear some of your stories. Um, absolute nutcase being a rally driver. It's um, a lot of like being a Kiwi. I've got a lot of good, lot of good mates that are into rally. It's a, it's a side of the sport that uh, I never took up. I just don't think I've got the uh, the, the big brass monkeys for it. Um, you, you know, you've obviously got. Got him. <laughs> well, I uh, we um, were driving to the stage once, and Malcolm, my co-driver, is a Kiwi as well, and, and and he just said to me, "Well, no balls are good balls." Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> but that, oh, that's super <laughs> Yeah, we, we always say you've you've got to be missing that link between you know sort of balls and brain to be just that it's, tapped it's, out to go to that next level, and maybe that's why um, some of the females just absolutely smash us in, in, in sport, you know. Um, so you, you've driven huge variety of cars um, in, in a very short time, like you're still only really young. 
Um, <laughs> Thanks. You've been kind. Well, you know, like, um, and, and we're kind of lucky in motorsport that, uh, you know, other than, you know, we could say some of the open wheeler categories, but for most categories, um, you know, average age isn't the 20-year-olds. There's still guns going quite quite, uh, quite late on, especially with rally in particular. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, so quite a short career so far. You've, you've blown everyone out of the water. You've done 1,000K Enduros and, and Lithuania, like uh, TCR, like probably one of my most favourite categories at the moment. Um, do you have a special technique or something that you do for getting up to speed super fast in a, in a different car or adapting to a different style? Is there some tips or tricks you have there? Um, it's a good question, and I guess it, it depends on the – the, the scenario but yeah I, I guess that um the the biggest thing is trying to you know find the limits as quickly as you can and obviously that's a that's a double-edged sword because you don't want to go over it but um I think uh you know my sort of issue I guess in the past and when I was in in Europe sometimes and it was all a bit sort of overwhelming is I tend to overthink things and and I remember Neil Bates um said to me while I was talking to him on the phone and um getting some advice and, and talking about some issues I was having. And he said, it's just, it's really simple, Molly. You just drive up to the corner, break as late as you can, break hard, turn in, and then accelerate really hard out of the corner. That's all you need to do. Just just go and drive the car. <laughs> so I think that's, you know, a lot of it is just, just trying to get that feel as quickly as you can um, and, and sort of trying to, you know, t- test where the limit of the car is and then obviously work out your, your sweet spot a bit back from that. Um, but yeah, trying to do that by a feel rather than too much thinking. Yeah, wicked. Um, I, I suppose rallying sort of lends itself to being quick to adapt because of uh, it's not like you can turn up and do a test day a couple of weeks before and then another one and another one just before the event. You get your one run and then you're sort of into it. So yeah, and the track changes doesn't matter. You know, you could be first out, last out, middle out. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that's yeah, cool. Um, Fitness is obviously uh, really, really huge. Uh, at, once you're at a professional level, uh, it's massive. And spying on your on your um, socials, you're you're a massive fitness freak. Um, can you tell us more about your fitness program? How you involve others? Do you involve others in the sport? Or are you a bit of a lone lone wolf, mad cyclist, whatever? Yeah, I, I drag my partner into my training at the moment. So <laughs> for, for him, we're in lockdown at the moment, so we were um, yeah training partners and. Um, yeah, I've I been mean, over the past few months, I've been training for a bit of a different project I've been working on, which will be um, happening in the next couple of months. But, but that aside, um, yeah, I guess for me, fitness has been, been a hobby as well. So it's great to be able to align those, those two things together and, um, you know, being able to um, do things outdoors like uh, mountain biking and, and cycling from a social side as well. Um, and then just, I think I'm a very... Um, like all or nothing person so um yeah it, to me it really helps to sort of you know have goals or have targets and whether that's for rally or whether that's in the gym or, or whatever it just um is something that um yeah i get very fixated on for better or for worse <laughs> no wicked no, that's cool um so outside of racing uh cycling mountain biking fitness is huge um you're also doing an mba um how's how's that going at the time um (laughs) questioning my decision (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i mean i i dropped out of uni i did one semester um back when i left school um 
to go to Europe and, and race. And so I sort of always had, oh, you know, I'll come back to it at some point. And then, you know, one thing led to another. And it was really um, COVID that made me think about it because um, I had this extra time on my hands and I thought I'm, I'm not, hopefully, you know, if racing keeps going the way it has been, as soon as we get back out there, I won't have the time again. So I may as well, um, you know, you, you're so used to just being busy and on the go all the time. I, I was worried about not having much to do so I decided to make myself just as busy again in lockdown so <laughs> seemed like a good idea and then I had I just finished my accounting subject and I, I tell you I was yes that was yeah, it's a half weeks <laughs> it's a fruit loot subject that one it's yeah. good to see other people in, in motorsport it's pretty um it's good to see once you get to a professional level people you know you need to have something like that on your side um so nba is pretty hard going do you base it you know a lot of them um you've either got to use reference projects or base it on the industry you're in um is that what you do or are you just using all the reference stuff yeah i'm trying to whenever the project allows um i'm i'm trying to base it on things that are relevant um to to motorsport or or the car industry because i think it's you know it's useful for me um uh, you know, it really is, you know, motorsports a business. So the more I can understand about that side of things, the, the more it's going to keep me um, hopefully in a driving position. And then, you know, looking further down the track, um, who, who knows what opportunities there will be there, but I think it'll be a great thing to have, um, you know, sort of, I guess, to round out the experience because a lot of my experience has just been on the job or learning through experience and, and so many life skills and business skills and all these things that you just you learn and you pick up just through being involved in everything that goes on in motorsport, but to be able to then put a, a more theoretical side to it, I feel like I've kind of done it, doing it backwards, <laughs> like reverse engineering the degree, but it, it's, yeah, it's interesting to be able to then um, think about the, the theoretical side in, in an application that you've experienced on the practical level. Yeah, no, and that's good. And you think it's helping you stitch everything together a bit better and you, the more professional side? Because obviously the level that you're at, you, you need to be the full package, you know? Yeah, definitely. And from, um, you know, especially the marketing side and that sort of thing, you know, it's all about trying to, um, obviously, you know, you need funding to go racing and, and to, to find that funding, you need to be providing value back to where that funding's coming from. So, and the nature of how that works is just changing more and more with technology and um, social media and, and all that sort of stuff. So um, if you could be better equipped to provide new business opportunities, then you can get more funding and you can do more racing. So it's, um, yeah, yeah, it all feeds off each other. Awesome. And that's, that's a wicked segue into, into the next question. Um, so social media is massive. Your um, socials are, uh, you know, very well put together your website is amazing it's probably one of the best like driver websites i've seen it puts a lot of the um you know tearing car f1 guys to shame you know yours is really really well done is is that something you do yourself or have you had help from a team or you know or for for new people how to what's your advice around getting to that level that you're at because you obviously don't go from weekend warrior to katie you know (laughs) Yeah, I was actually a friend of mine, um, Sergio, who helped me put that together. And, and obviously, I have no technical skills in web design. I can put a press release up through WordPress, and that's about my limit. But um, but yeah, he had all the, the design skills. And I guess for me, it was a lot of um, 
just looking at other other sports people and other people that I really admire, respect, not necessarily in motorsport, just in other sports and, and just kind of re- doing my own research and seeing, um, you know, people that are successful and who do it well, how do they do it, what do they do, why do they do it, and then trying to kind of take those lessons and, and, and put it to the motorsport side and, and just trying to do things a bit differently. So, um, so yeah, that was, yeah, a lot of, a lot of Googling and, um, yeah, just, just kind of taking things that are, that I like and, um, yeah, then having friends who are really good at, at the arty stuff. <laughs> no, wicked. Um, you know, social media can be a bit of a, a double-edged sword. I see the positive side of it and, and I try to – I think everyone should use it a lot more. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it is really positive. Have, have you got any – you know, and, and um, you know, we're talking about trying to get more women into motorsport. Women tend to think things through a lot more than, than <laughs> we do and, they, and they're – like, I'm – using my wife as an example, she, everything's always, uh, you can't do that. You can't do this. And it's not from a negative point of view. She's just always thinking four steps forward of the worst case scenario or trying to protect things. Um, rather, you know, is there any advice you can have for younger drivers coming through or other women drivers that, you know, are maybe being a bit more reserved because they're worried about people might think and that sort of stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, you're right. It's a double edged sword. Um, so yeah, you, you go in with your eyes open, but, but on the positive side, um, you know, the amount of connections I've made through, you know, meeting other females in the sport and friendships I've made and, and professionally as well, the people I've met, the guy that writes my training program now, we, we met through Instagram and, and now we're friends. So it just, um, you know, it can provide so many opportunities and, and I think it's, you know, firstly, you know, obviously being yourself because it's not going to last long if, if you're not authentic. Um, and, you know, thinking about why, you know, why you're doing it. And, and if, if you're wanting to build a career, you've got to think, you know, for any future partnerships you, you have or you would like to pursue, you know, the, the first thing that people do now is, you know, if you approach them, the, the first thing they do is go and check your social media and, and, and have a look and it's, that's just how it is. So always thinking about when you, when you are posting things, you know, is it, is it a positive message? Um, would, would I be happy for my future sponsor to be looking at this? What, what image does that portray and, and doing it in a way that that's genuine. And then, you know, if that doesn't please some people, then, you know, as long as you're, you're doing you um, in a way that, you know, you're proud of, then doesn't, you know, you're never going to please everyone. So that, you know, that side of things, I think we've all got to, take me the pinch of salt no awesome, no, awesome. Um, um so one uh question that if i don't ask my my son's gonna kill me do you know katie munnings i don't i don't know her i know um i know of her obviously and, and i know um sort of you know friends that are friends with, with katie but um i kind of left europe when she just started so we, we just kind of missed um but uh yeah i'd like to meet her she seems like a pretty cool chick yeah, it's, it's my son's favourite show. We've got to watch it before we go to bed. So. Yeah, a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people ask that because I see she's a rally driver and, and that the show's played here as well. So, yeah, it's been really popular. Oh, there we go. Asked. Cool. <laughs> um, recently, or in pre COVID ish time, you, you had a trip to America to suss out some opportunities over there. Um, can you tell us a bit more about that? And uh, understandably, it's the level of commitment financially to, to just to get over to the States uh, and to talk to some of the, you know, the, the pro teams and, and such over there and some of them are movie star type deals. Mm-hmm. 
were you able to put a deal together over there and or you know what was that experience like because that's going to europe's the the tried and true and the pretty traditional motorsport route going to the states is is hollywood and just takes so much you know no one will be able to comprehend that it was a real um sort of leap of faith i guess and i just thought you know i may as well give it a shot i was only over there for like i think it was like four days the whole trip oh wow um, including the the flight so it was really like i literally packed hand carry i packed <laughs> my backpack was literally full of snacks i think i had enough to only have to buy one meal a day when i was there and i could just eat my snacks which was i got so many weird um security like you know where they pull you just out of your bag when you go through airport security <laughs> so pretty weird they bring out these like ziplocked individual portions of protein powder in this case <laughs> one by one um so yeah it was a you know whirlwind trip and i just thought you know i may as well and give it a crack and and um i i yeah the, the sort of thinking what if really um gets on my nerves <laughs> um but yeah so i i mean it was great to make some connections and um it didn't fully go the way i had hoped um i had two days lined up in la um before I left and I um, tried to line up a bunch of meetings and literally every single meeting got cancelled um, oh, one by one over the two days. So I literally spent two days in a hotel getting ready to go to bed. One, at one point I was in an Uber for an hour and I was five minutes away from the destination and it got cancelled. Um, so it was that was pretty, um, I felt like I just wasted a heap of money on airfares by that point. But, um, but yeah, out of it all, um, I was having some I had some great discussions with um Dirtfish and we were, were planning to do a couple of rounds. So what like wasn't the full um I guess hope that I had, but it was, you know, an opportunity to do something and get a foot in the door over there. Um and obviously Subaru have a really successful track record over there. So for me working with Subaru here was the perfect alignment and, and a new series that was growing fast and um so yeah that was the the plan and then obviously COVID happened and the rallies got cancelled and um I'm you know, hopeful that, that when things get a bit more back to normal next year that, um, you know, we're still in touch and it's still very much the intention to do something when we can. Um, but it's, yeah, it's all a bit of a standby. But I guess you, you don't know unless you, um, you know, if I hadn't have gone over there and had all those meetings fail, then I wouldn't have, you know, spoken to someone who spoke to someone who then, the, you know, got to speak with the team at Dirtfish. So it all kind of, you know, in its own weird way, um, comes to something yeah well let's let's just hope we can get to get molly back over there and <laughs> um you know that that'd be awesome um on to more local cool things your brumby project <laughs> it's getting a turbo so that's like five thousand percent cool <laughs> oh, it's still a turbo so that gets a massive like you get 500 gangster points for having a turbo on it um Tell us more about it, how hands-on you are with it, uh, and what it means to you and, and how it came about. Yeah, I mean, it's just that Bromby's just one of those iconic cars. So, um, you know, they're just, they're just so cool. And um, it was actually a friend of my dad's. Um, dad sent me a picture one day of this old, you know, like rusty, dents in every panel Bromby. And um, I think he said, oh, it was a friend of his who was a mechanic and said, it owes him two grand. Do you want it? And my partner and I were instantly like yes yep we want it and um so yeah that was how we ended up with the Brumby and then it's been a long deliberation of do we do we um 
restore it original? Do we do we completely modify it and put a you know WRX running gear in it and make it this sleeper that looks old and rusty on the outside? And and then yeah, we, we settled on a, a a modification within its era, so it'll have a bit more go. Um, but the the outside's been restored, and we've actually got the engine um, downstairs in our garage. So. That, that'll be our project. Um, when I was up in Sydney um, a month or two ago, we took all the running gear out of the donor car. Um, so that's all sitting up there and we'll, um, yeah, it's not going to be a project that happens very quickly, but um, yeah, we'll, uh, between my partner and I, he's a, um, an ex-mechanic. So um, yeah, I'll get some lessons on how to rebuild the engine too. And yeah, it'll be just, just a bit of fun with our little baby and um yeah it'll just be you know a workshop car that we can drive to from the workshop and um yeah just enjoy it's such a sweet car I, when i was in sydney i would drive it to like, meetings and i mean it's not the best in summer when it's really hot because <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a bit hot inside the car but um but yeah other than that it's just it just runs forever even though we've, with absolutely no mechanical work done it just got a couple of wines here and there but it just it, it starts first pop and drives and does everything it's yeah they're unbreakable oh awesome that's cool well yeah we've got a um uh one of the guys that, that sort of helped me into i've got a really good sim package here and one of the guys that helped me with that he's a mad brumby fan so scott's going to be uh pretty stoked to hear about that it's amazing um, the amount of um the amount of comments you'll get. You could drive it anywhere and there'll be someone with all these flash cars and you turn up in this beat up Brumby and everyone just wants to see the Brumby. It's yeah. Yeah. It's all it's just such a sweet car. Oh, that's cool. Um, I've got two more quick questions before I give you back to um, Shane. Uh, so one I ask everyone, um, do you have any fr- funny pre-race, race day superstitions, anything weird that you do that only you do or throws you off if you don't do it sort of deal? I try I try not to because I'm worried that if, you, if you're rushing and you don't get to do it, I don't think I'm a problem. But there's probably, um, if I've got the time, one of the things that I like to do is I um, – you know, in rally, we, we normally park a couple of kilometres from the start of the stage and we have a few minutes to check tyre pressures, put our helmets on and get belted up. And then we um, use that sort of last couple of kilometres where we have to arrive at the stage at a certain time. We, we try and time that so we can arrive with the car warm. Um, so when we're waiting around on the side of the road waiting for our time, um, I, I get a rock or a stick and I try and like throw it with one hand and catch it in the other hand is my sort of way of kind of just getting your eye in and getting a bit of coordination happening. You know, a lot of formula drivers. Yeah, do the same with the ball of the wall. Yeah, obviously yep. they're in the forest, so I just like find a stick. And, but that normally yep. gets hilarious because, yeah, my co-driver will yeah, laugh at me just wondering what I'm doing, being a Gumby and throwing things around on the side of the road. Um, yeah, it's probably my little quirk. Oh, wicked. Um, and that, like you just... You, you read my mind, you're a natural seg- uh, segue for this. Co-drivers, um, they're a special breed of individual. Um, I, I've got no idea how they do it um, to be able to look down and read notes and know where they are. And you see all the funny videos when it goes wrong or when they, you know, don't click. But um, how, how do you go about picking a co-driver? Because obviously, the, you know, when you get to your level, they're all professional co-drivers. Um, how, how do you gel? How do you get up to speed with each other's way of working real quickly? Or is it just you have a paper scissors rock off over a coffee and you've figured it out? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're, they're a special breed. And I've just been so lucky to have some, you know, such great um, co-drivers. And, and I think, you know, obviously 
at, at this level, um, you know, they're professional and they, they know how to call notes and they know how to do the job. So, so most co-drivers at that level can jump in and, and do that job. But, but as you say, it's, it's, it's much more than that. And it's, it's that relationship and, and you really have to, to gel with someone. Um, and I mean, I was lucky when I came back to Australia, I knew Bill Hayes, um, Perth, Perth man. Um, so, and I, he, well, he just announced that he'd retired. So I called him and, and pressured him to not retiring. Um, and, you know, we, we had a, developed a great, great friendship and um, I was very fortunate to fall into that. And then when, when he did decide it was time, it was time um, for him to retire, then um, it was actually Bill who suggested Malcolm Reed, um, who's my co-driver now from New Zealand. Um, he knew Malcolm from competing in the Asia Pacific Championship and, and he knew me from us competing together. And it was, it was Bill that said, I think he would be a good fit can obviously do the job and I think you know you guys would be a good fit in the car so I having that trust and and knowing Bill and knowing he knew me um really took a leap of faith in in terms of Bill's recommendation and um yeah he was completely right and um yeah it's they're just you know as you say another breed and 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 have someone that you can get along with, spend that much time with, have a laugh with. You know, it's serious. You can get on with the job, and and really, it becomes like they're inside your head. You know, there'll be times where Malcolm will, he he, I would say, you know, maybe once or twice a rally, he'll repeat a call. He never repeats the notes, and those one or two times that he repeats it, it's like he knew that I needed him to repeat it before I even said it, and just the the way that he can pick up on a hesitation or or something that's happened or you can't, yeah, you can't really explain to someone how to do that. They just have to mm. sort of be in it and, and to find people like that's really difficult. Oh, that's awesome. Man. Try, try and so hold cool. on to them when you find them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Cause yeah, it's, there's a lot of trust there. Yeah. hundred percent both, both ways. Um, yeah. And if, you know, if Malcolm says whatever the note is and I can't see it, I, that's, you know, I, I trust him hundred percent. We can, Oh, thank you very, very much. I'll give you back to, to Shane now. Um, I'm just stoked I've got a chance to talk to you. Um, ultra professional, but ultra chill, which is uh, kind of cool. <laughs> thank you. So staying on the, um, the uh, teammate side of things, um, if you're able to have someone sitting in that seat next to you from any motorsport discipline, any era. Oh, gosh. Who would you want sitting there next to you? Like, if you could just ultimate person to have sitting there with you. Oh, gosh. I mean, that's there's definitely, um, you know, people that you, you know, you admire and, and you look up to. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think no one really knows me better than Malcolm does and knows you know when to give me a pep talk when to like give me a slap across the face and and when just to put some good old 80s tunes on in the car and (laughs) um yeah you know I think I'm I'm lucky I don't I don't ever think that there's there's someone else I'd prefer the uh 80s tunes have you got a favorite one that you like to listen Uh, no you'll you'll laugh we play a bit of wham a bit of George Michael, yeah, we're a big fans of that. Um, love a bit of Fleetwood Mac as well. That goes down very well. Um, and then sometimes, you know, if it's a bit more serious, then you know, then we have to put on a bit of Jay Z or something to get us a bit more fired up. <laughs> sometimes a bit of Dizzy Rascal. That's what I'm about. Oh, 
you know. There you go. I it goes, that. It's very, um, yeah, it's very extreme one way or the other. Yeah. Sounds <laughs> like my uh, Spotify playlists. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the, um, in terms of over your career, you know, getting started and to where you are now, have you got a few people that, you know, you wouldn't be there without? Uh, I mean, so, so many, so many, um, you know, obvious ones like sort of my, you know, my family and Neil and all those people from the beginning. But, um, you know, when I was, when I went over to the UK, the, the people from Monster Sport Europe who ran the Suzuki um, Cup basically kind of let me crash at the workshop and, you know, rent the car for next to nothing, help me work on the car. And then the year after, um, the McCormack family literally lent me their car and van and spares and everything for a year. And there was, you know, just from their endless people that, that had that much generosity. And, and so there's just, yeah, so, so many people at every step of the way. And I think that's what the, is great about motorsport is that it is, it is a family. Um, and even when you're on the other side of the world, it's the same type of people that are involved in the sport. And, um, you know, if they can see someone that's, that's putting everything into it and struggling, there's no shortage of people that are there to help. So it's, um, yeah, I mean, so many people. I have a very uh, good looking trophy cabinet sitting behind. <laughs> <laughs> there's some good uh, IKEA shopping right there. <laughs> <laughs> You mean you don't get specially made cabinets for, for that sort of stuff? It's all no, it's literally from IKEA. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah, yeah, adjustable heights and yeah, it's fantastic. Have you got a Have you got a favourite one in there? Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know if you can see up the 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 top at the back. It's oh, you probably can't see it. There's a a plate, and that was from um, Rally Finland. Oh, um, cool. And I also have in there the in 2017 when we were winning the championship um, and we were basically just had to finish the final round to win the, the second um, back-to-back title. Um, the engine blew up on the end of the second last day and I actually have the piston um, somewhere sliding behind the trophies. But, yeah, that's it's not my favourite trophy, but it, it's probably a very, um, I don't yeah, know, it's a really good reminder. Um, yeah. Of, of yeah the um, the contrast I guess and, and just making sure you always focus on what's important it's not always shiny and silver. <laughs> Please tell me you drank out of the big one. Yes. You could. Yeah. <laughs> and my shoe that day, which is not yeah. I mean, are you Australian? And I thought it was cool. Guys do. Oh, yeah, no, it's not good. <laughs> oh, <dear>. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Adam Marjoram. <laughs> Right, what is this question? <laughs> I can't believe I've got to ask this question on this podcast. Like, can't be anything worse than I've ever asked, Shane. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah, the build-up's been pretty big. Oh, my God. Okay. I, I won't say what he's known on his fa- on Facebook games, but Adam Marjoram asked the question, would you rather fingers for toes or toes for fingers? Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> No, fingers for toes. That would be really handy. Yeah. When you like lying down and try to pick up something with your foot, imagine if they were fingers. That would be great. Adam has... Yeah. Adam needs to get back in a cart or a car or something. He's tapped. <laughs> yeah, all this lack of racing, we've all gone a bit crazy. Oh, who let him retire? Whoever said he could retire was... Just... <laughs> 
Friday night. That's good. It's oddball. Yeah, I still can't believe really past that. But yeah, you'd be an awesome mechanic if you had fingers for toes. You'd yeah. never lose a ten mil. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, like how I, mean, I reckon you'd run really well because like the spring you would get as well. Yeah, good. Imagine your signature. Yeah, I mean, given the place in that store. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Oh, I, I think we might almost leave it on that note. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know where we can go from here. <laughs> Um, I've, I actually, I've got, I've got another one if you don't mind, Shane. Because I'm not the guest, so yeah. Well, yeah, well, I, I normally I'm cutting back in, but yeah, Molly. Um, I, like as I said, I'm not a big rally guy, but what I have watched a fair bit of recently, um, is is a lot of the the rally cross stuff. Like, so yeah. obviously, Subaru America that sort of made me think of it. They did that awesome series following it. Um, you know, the documentary type thing, yeah, you know, ultra Hollywood. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, Ken Block recently has done the, done some testing in the EV rallycross mm-hmm. car, which just is mental. Mm-hmm. Um, what, have you tried that yet? Or is there any aspirations to go down that side of it? Um, you know, the heads up stuff's kind of cool. Door to door. That's what I like about it. Yeah, I mean, I've never done rallycross, but it looks like a whole whole lot of fun. And I'm part of the um, Extreme E Drivers Program. So um, that's all still, um, yeah, work in progress. But I would love to be involved uh, more in that as well. It's, um, yeah, for so many reasons. Obviously, the cars are just phenomenal. Um, but also the, the whole philosophy about that whole series is just really powerful. And, and to be at the cutting edge of... Um, electric motorsport and and be you know how they're addressing all, you know all these issues that, that we we can't ignore is um and how the way in which they're doing that is just yeah it, it's really inspiring so hopefully um, yeah. so that's the rumor you're lewis hamilton's new driver <laughs> i mean you can keep that going that's cool <laughs> It's kind of cool that it's come to fruition because last year the rumour was that Hamilton was going to middle finger Formula One and go race Formula E, right? That was because he's bored of winning and, and being way out of the front. And, st- and that hasn't happened, but instead he's put his money where his mouth is and he's he's gone into the extreme E. Um, you know, he's, he's going to be a team owner for that. So it's just wicked to see, you know, love him or hate him. Um, that's kind of cool to see, I think, you know. Yeah, and I think as we were speaking about before, you know, in terms of your driving is obviously one aspect of the sport, but people that are, are passionate about the sport and growing the sport and, and um, as you say, putting putting money where your mouth is and, and helping the development of the sport and, and, you know, the electrification of motorsport is happening and um, this is just taking that to a whole new level and fast-tracking everything. So it's really cool to be, um, to be a part of that. Yeah, and it's, it's going to happen whether we, whether we like it or not. Um, Shane's been involved with, with uh, helping with some of the media for some of the guys here at Run Teslas and the yeah. and the uh, Tarmac Rally stuff. So, yeah, the Extreme E stuff's wicked. And there's the um, if they can go heads up um, with cars that are that are relatable and, and amazing power wise, and yeah, yeah, I'm all, I'm all for it. Yeah, yeah, they, they seem to have a, a really good mix of ingredients with the car and the race format and the locations and, and the philosophy. Yeah. It's going to be fantastic to watch. We're good. All righty. Well, um, we'll leave it there. Um, 
I think obviously we've had a um, very. I'm just still in shock over Adam's question and me asking. <laughs> I just think we just got to get on Twitter and start start smashing Molly Taylor as uh, the the Australian multiple championship legend extraordinaire is Lewis Hamilton's new driver and they'll just be a big media player and it'll grow arms and legs and you won't be able to ignore it and it'll happen. <laughs> well, let's get some clips happening. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. Um, before we wrap up, is there, is there anyone you want to give a little yell out or, um, you know, mention sponsors, people that are awesome? Oh, God, I, mean, I think we've really spoken about it all. So um, there'll be someone who will get annoyed at me for not. But, but no, I don't think so. I mean, spoken about Subaru and, and um, yeah, everyone. So, yeah, Malcolm's, you know, head's going to be going to be so big now. So <laughs> I don't get too big. He's inside your head. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we need to get him on in a few weeks when... Uh, when it... Oh, God, yeah. Then if you want some stories, then, yeah. Yeah, it's got a lot of material. <laughs> I think we're going to have to make that happen. <laughs> yeah. He's a great man for a pep talk. If you, if you need a pep talk, he's the, yeah, he's the man. <laughs> if you're, um, in terms of pep talks, if you're ever giving pep talks, especially to the uh, competitors coming up this weekend in the Forest Rally, besides the jealous part of it, <laughs> would, would, you, would you have a little pep talk for him about uh, what to do and what not to do? Oh God, just go for it. I mean, how good you're able to get out and drive a car. Like that's, you know, I think, um, yeah, one, one thing this whole thing does is put everything into perspective pretty quickly. So just, um, yeah, the opportunity to really just appreciate the basics again and, and just, yeah, top crack. Fantastic. <laughs> oh, well, thank you very much for joining us. My pleasure. And, um, pleasure for having me. Yeah, hopefully we'll see you back over this way soon. And Yeah, hopefully. Um, yeah, best of luck. Thank you very much. No worries. Thanks for joining us. All good. Yes. Well, that was Molly Taylor. Um, episode 22 wrapped up. Um, I love our guests. I think they're awesome. Oh, yeah, man. We've, we, we are um, just so blessed. <laughs> So. <laughs> Hashtag blessed. <laughs> <laughs> no, we are, man. Like, there are some in Australia, man. We, we've got people that are just massive achievers and are just so humble and just such cool, normal people, you know. Like, um, Molly's done it all at such a young age and as a female, you know, not that that matters, oh. um, but just wicked and just so chill to talk to, you know. Like, I, everyone we talk to is just cool. Massive fan of that quote of hers is that the stop clock doesn't have any bias so yeah yeah but on that note um that's it episode 22 we'll be back next week i'm sure it's probably going to be rally themed again next week um but yeah we'll see how we go cool man look forward to it catch is later don't forget to do all the usual crap subscribe like subscribe click up scroll whatever uh catch is later